On today's episode, Andy, Simon, Greg and myself discuss how telecom retail can maximise sales using customer flow management and retail experiential transformation. Hello guys, welcome back to Customer Experience Conversations. There's a lot of us in the studio today, so let's do an introduction. We haven't really done any introductions over the last few episodes, starting with you, Andy. Yeah, hi guys, I'm Andy Hart, the Managing Director for ACF in EMEA. Hi, this is Greg. I'm a key account manager here for ACF in EMEA. Hello, Simon Ronald, VP of Business Development. Adam Howarth, Strategic Account Manager as well in EMEA. And I'm Louis, Marketing and Business Development We're going to kick off today's topic on telecoms with an example of an experience I just had. I just got my phone upgrade and I had a really interesting experience. I walked into a branch or a shop and they immediately queued me through a system. I I wasn't quite sure if that was necessary because I was just inquiring. However, they used the information that they gathered on me to send me all kinds of communications. Mm -hmm. And I discovered while I was there that they put every single customer through this system, even if they're just strolling in. Yeah. Well, how did you feel about it? It was a bit tedious, to be honest. Cause it took how long did it take? About two minutes. Did you feel that it impacted on your overall customer experience in the sense of if you were just asking a question, did you feel that was maybe a bit too intense? Uh, not really. No, I just wanted to ask a few questions. I didn't really want to be put through mm. a queuing system, but uh, it, I can see how it benefited me. I think the topic we want to talk about today, right, is is about telco and obviously the balance between customer experience and sales. That is the challenge, isn't it? Especially from a physical high street retail perspective your customer experience example there is a good example where the the business is trying to balance both right they implemented a solution that is there to ultimately improve the customer experience if there are lots of people there's you know some sort of a queuing system in place but in also in the scenario here because they've enforced the ruling and used of that system actually is impacted ironically on the customer experience itself so I think we, we understand that dynamic quite well and we often see that. And we we are normally quite quick to tell a customer, hey, we like the idea of having this system, but have you really considered the co- the benefit to cost ratio, aka the benefit to you as a business, but at what cost to the customer experience are you potentially going to have to endure or the, you're going to ask the customer to endure? It's just a wider question, I guess, that mm-hmm. brings up the topic of sales versus customer experience. I completely agree. I visited another store, however, mm-hmm. not long after, and this store didn't have any kind of queuing system. And what happened is I just walked in and I had to queue up for the reception desk. Mm-hmm. I was served by the representative who would then redirect me to another person who was sat on the desks. And I had to sit down and wait for the, one of the representatives to be finished with their current customer. Yep. And I just sat in an empty desk for 10, 15 minutes. What the other store had However, was the option, which I, which I didn't need because there was no queue. Mm-hmm. But what I could have done is entered the queue and then left and gone and done more shopping. Okay. Which today would have been helpful because I was just sat there for 15 minutes. Yeah. And I, it was my lunch break and I wanted to, I could have gone and had lunch in those 15 minutes. Okay. Yeah, in that scenario, obviously the, the benefit to you as a customer would have been the ability to virtually queue. And virtual queuing is something that we definitely have seen a, a huge uptake in across all sectors of customer experience. So whether that's retail, whether it's banking or other sectors, we definitely have seen the opportunity to do that, to allow customers to browse uh, and not to have that fear in the back of your mind that if you let them leave the store, they're never going to come back. Because in reality, if someone wants to use your service and they've proactively come to your store or perhaps they've booked an appointment online, there is a natural commitment from their side. So it's in their interest to obviously stick around and receive service. Adam, Obviously, you're into your your tech and things like that. Whenever whenever you buy 
tech and gadgets. Do you tend to go online and then buy you're saying in a store? I'm a geek, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Politely. <laughs> no, because I know you're into your your widgets and your gadgets and yeah. things like that. When whenever you buy like tech equipment, like a phone, etc., mm. how what's the process you go through? Well, I worked in uh, telecoms and actually worked in telecoms retail. That's pretty much where I started off. I used uh-huh. to manage a, a retail store in telecoms. I would always start my journey online, looking at reviews, looking at the latest tech that's coming out. And I'd do what most people would do and see what the online deals are. But actually, it's one of those purchases because nowadays you're either going to be in a two-year deal or sometimes even a three-year deal I've seen people offering now. You would actually want to go and see the physical handset. I mean, they're all pretty much five-inch rectangle pieces of glass now. But it's nice to get a good feel of the device and go and see the device. So footfall-wise, I do believe that telecom retailers are always going to get people into the stores. And my previous experience of being a branch manager was all about once they're in the store, make sure you don't just offer them one service, you're selling them the whole package. Yeah. I think they need to work kind of in tandem with online review sites and online like gadget websites. And I think the whole kind of purchase process of people now that like gadgets, they don't really go on reviews. They'll go on YouTube. Sure. They'll watch people like Unbox Therapy. I don't know if you've ever seen that channel where you literally get a guy who gets sent brand new devices from Samsung, etc. And he, he opens them up and talks through the whole thing. People love that. Yeah. I've seen loads of those. Have yeah. you? I love them. Well, it's a, it feels a little bit weird though. <laughs> they, they get seriously into a box. But <laughs> they do get yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like this physical experience is an essential part of telecom retail? Yeah, you're right. I think they do. I absolutely do. Because at the end of the day... Your mobile phone is a device that is probably more important to you than your wallet. You use it to pay for things. Mm-hmm. It holds all your personal Sometimes information. Sometimes it is your wallet. It is your wallet. It is literally, if you lost your mobile phone, in most cases, you'd be in real shit. <laughs> yeah. um, but if you lose your wallet, you can get away with it. So we kind of live and die on our mobile phones. We're absolutely addicted to them. We're constantly checking them. We're looking at our emails on them. It makes perfect sense that you actually go and see the device. So retail in telecoms, I think, have got a really good advantage of the fact that people still need to see the devices. Yes, they want a deal. Yes, they're going to look online at comparison sites. But generally, from my personal experience and from experience that I've had when I was in retail, the best deals are from the networks themselves. And the networks all have their own stores, you know, EE, O2 and, and Vodafone. What they need to do, though, is get that journey correct. I mean, what you were talking about earlier, it sounds like one of the stores got a good idea and actually it kind of actually cut down the 15-minute wait time of your second store. However, if you were someone in that situation that wasn't looking to buy and you were just looking to top up your mobile phone or if you had a phone that was broken, you'd probably be quite peeved off having to enter all your details into something unless it was explained to you. So it's just getting that balance right, like Greg said, and just making sure that that customer journey is clearly explained. Was the kind of system that you used, was it manned or did you just all, you entered it yourself in terms of going to the queuing system? Yeah, no, it was, it was manned. It was just a, uh, an iPad attached to a keyboard. The representative entered my details. It wasn't even like I was in control of the situation. And one lady even came into the store and just wanted to ask how much it would be for her phone screen to be repaired. They even queued her through the system. And she seemed pretty annoyed about that because then they, then they told her it was going to cost £200. <laughs> yeah. She walked straight back out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, is, that is a bad experience. I think it's like there's a blend, isn't there, to, to get it right. And that's about personalising the customer's journey because... If you're coming in just to ask an inquiry, then it does feel a bit overkill to have to then fill out a, a whole heap of information. Like uh, there's there's a way to do it, and it just depends on what you come in for. You need to personalise your experience. So if you are coming in to buy a mobile phone, then you should be able to find that out pretty quickly. And taking your details at that point is a reasonable uh, is a reasonable expectation. But if you're coming in to ask an inquiry, then 
I guess if a, as, a, as a salesperson, the first question would, would be to direct you in a simpler fashion rather than everyone follow the same route. How could an organization better personalize the experience for individual shoppers? Well, for me, I've just booked a, an appointment maybe at one of the two high street retailers that you, you've been talking about that here. Shall not be named. We won't name them, no. But but as Annie said, it's missing that personalization for me because I'm a customer who is prepared to move two of my, my accounts, my SIM card accounts over to this provider. And I've booked an appointment for this Thursday and basically they haven't asked any questions. They don't know that I'm ready to sign across to them when I arrive. So what are you, what are you going to bring to this appointment? Nothing. It's just allowed me to book some time with, with, with a, a member of staff that doesn't know why I'm there, doesn't know that I'm ready, doesn't know what I like. There is no personalization. And for me, that's a slightly annoying because I'm going to have to stand there and explain everything from the ground up. It would have been nice to have pre-prepared her before I walk in. Yeah, I definitely agree. Just to add to that, it's choice, isn't it? It's if, if you'd given Simon the choice in that customer experience example, if you'd given Simon the choice, he could either choose to provide information or to, to not provide it. Uh, where again it becomes quite challenging is when you say okay well we're going to ask the question we're going to ask the customer 10 questions before they get an appointment and it's mandatory and therefore all of a sudden the people that are now like hmm I just want an appointment to come in and ask a couple of questions they're now forced down that channel so it's a bit like the experience you had when you walked in Hmm. you were forced down a route that didn't meet your needs so the personalization level wasn't appropriate for Simon's situation he wasn't able to provide the information he would have been willing to so therefore his customer experience is now going to be less it's about, like you said, Andy, it's like balancing the two. Also, the thing I was going to add there as well is that if Simon had been able to provide the information he was more than willing to provide, for example, via a series of questions, and you know that allows the salesperson to better prepare. Therefore, you can automatically start to predict an increase in sales because you've collected more information, the customer's willingly provided that information, therefore it's more buying signals that they are interested in more services or products that you have to offer mm. for example if simon's looking at getting a new device the iphone whatever the latest one is for example you can start to prepare the phone cases the power packs the char- you know the charging wires and all that stuff and you can have that ready to go because you've asked for that information mm. the customer's provided it and now for you've prepared accordingly so you now don't have to say are you interested in a power pack you can just have it on the table looks really nice oh there you go I completely agree. And the the modern consumer is very impatient with these kind of things. They want the best possible service. They know exactly what they want and they want it now. Mm. How can the information you were just talking about, how can it also better improve the business processes? Well, it's a pretty broad question in the sense of... In terms of back-end workflows. Yeah, yeah. Well, just one idea that jumps to mind is, for example, things like click and collect. The ability to order a device online obviously that device then be available in a store at a given time and obviously automated notifications be sent to the customer when to come and collect it when the device is available. That's pretty straightforward in a sense. But to me, it's about how do you then maybe automate other processes that can also support that customer experience? So for example, triggers to call center people to maybe call that person if, for example, they don't respond to any of the notifications. Because ultimately, let's say in some scenarios you order it, but maybe you don't pay online. Maybe you pay when you collect, Mm. for example. All of a sudden, you're missing out on an opportunity if that customer doesn't show up. Feedback forms are a a big one. Yeah, post-service feedback forms. Definitely in telecoms. I've just had a bad experience with some customer service in telecoms. Yeah. Uh, I ordered the new Samsung. Okay. And I was promised the new wireless earbuds okay. as part of my pre-order deal. However, when I went to collect the device, then uh, it was no longer valid. 
apparently the representative I spoke to made a mistake. Oh, really? And I, I would quite like to be able to voice my experience back to the company. Yep. But uh, I haven't received a feedback form yet. Okay. Well, that's, a, that's an interesting part because that's all the way through to post service. But there's also, there's so much opportunity as well to collect more information maybe in the build up to an appointment or to an interaction of some sort. And, ha- you know, how ultimately you can automate a lot of those different processes. Yeah, I don't think you have to go like all the, all the way just to, to back end workflows to improve the experience. I think this is something where like we've seen learnings kind of cross cross industries in, in, in this regard. So, for example, like there are some telecoms providers where y- you could go onto their website to book an appointment and you're literally all you're doing is just choosing the option to book an appointment. You're not specifying exactly what you're going in for, whereas we see in some some other sectors like kind of retail healthcare for example you you get a bit more specificity around what you're going in to see and that's done by asking you a series of questions yeah so you don't get a drop down where you're choosing eye tests for example like you, you get a drop down where you're choosing exactly what kind of eye test like you're building up to that by answering a series of questions and, and not kind of they're not an overload but in the back end what it's doing will be asking you those questions so that it will then appropriately pick you the appointment type that you want but also more importantly the, the right person for you to see Maybe in like a in a telecoms retail world, maybe there's an assumption that every representative or every agent can serve anything, whereas actually it's not really reality. And it is there is an alignment to examples such as retail healthcare where you do need to go and see a specialist. Mm-hmm. So asking out those upfront questions will improve. Not only will it personalise the journey, but then it will obviously improve the customer experience overall because you'll end up getting to see the person that you need to see which has double benefits really because not only is your customer experience improved but also you as a business you want to maximize your most costly resources so you probably don't want your i don't know an iphone specialist just serving a a generic inquiry about doing a top-up you want them to be absolutely maximized and focused on selling that iphone every single time yeah so it's not just a case of improving the customer's experience you as a business like have the opportunity to maximize what are ultimately your most expensive resources when you say most expensive resources you're referring to staff yeah. and physical sites exactly yeah yeah how do you think that these physical sites and and the staff within them how do you think their role is going to start evolving over the next 10 years i think again this has a bit of cross industry as well so if you look for example what the likes of santander do with their work cafes and maximizing their physical locations the well it's the high street in general and then telecoms retail stores fit into that don't they that the the kind of purpose of the store is going to change and evolve over time How, how is it going to change (laughs) <laughs> how's it going to change I, well, I, mean, I expect they're going to have to can go you, can you see into the future I can yeah 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 <laughs> on a regular basis but I think what we've seen in general from our experience is that quite often like we see a lot of retail banking leading the way with some of these ideas and, and then we'll see like other retail retail segments catching up I think there's no reason why like retail telecoms would head in, the, in a similar direction where you re, not repurpose entirely the, the point of your physical store but there's certainly an opportunity to repurpose some of that physical store the examples that I saw when we uh, we went to a a retail banking conference at the end of last year, RBR. Uh, Louis talked about it in one of our previous episodes. We we heard some ideas at that conference that really impressed me. So not only we've we got this idea of turning branch spaces into cafe and uh, into cafes and places that people come together and can network, etc. That's one idea that we're seeing common. I even heard of bank branches having shops in them, so you can do, for example, clothes shopping. I heard of bank branches across Europe doing podcast rooms and being able to to actually uh, reserve out room spaces for local businesses to pursue things like podcasting, etc., and recording studios. I even heard of dedicated therapy-based services, so actually running events 
at these spaces something that we're really quite passionate about is utilizing those spaces to run and operate events that are value-added services services but are more along the lines of um uh, bringing together people around a, a particular topic to create this community idea and is absolutely right because if you look at the dynamic of retail there is lots of opportunity to to improve like with every dynamic in retail but we do in particular think that the retail banking space are really innovating quite quite impressively do you think they're being forced to because of how competitive the banking market is becoming now yeah not to get too sidetracked into the banking Mm. world but you are right you know they have a dynamic of new competitors into the space obviously with like more digital banks and app-based banks etc and for them they face a lot of the similar challenges that i think that the the physical retail of a telco for example face you know the declining footfall the increased pressure on the business and the resources etc etc you've got to get more from less effectively and the ease of switching providers it's the same it's the same in telecoms i've just switched providers yep very easily right years ago that was a difficult process whereas today like Mm. you're saying simon did you say you were switching i will do yeah Yeah, absolutely yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. i think for me it's not just how can the questions i'm asked by the organization improve the workflow or the staff that i meet i i haven't even been given the opportunity to give the information that i know they need to service me effectively okay so that's all we roughly have time for i've got one more question for andy who's not usually in the in the podcast studio so i'm gonna let him answer it how would you summarize everything we've just said in a few sentences i guess if like so so going back to our original question why we're here and what we're talking about was was how do you like what do we think that telecom sector can do to maximize sales i think overall it's learning from other sectors from our perspective and it's about ultimately maximizing it's a blend so maximizing some of your your most expensive resources which are your staff and your physical physical location uh, and also at the same time improving that customer experience which ultimately i think yeah can, can be achieved in some pretty simple ways so starting with the personalization which is from from the off finding out exactly what your customer is after and, and what they want out of their experience that can only ever help both the customer experience and ultimately where you want to get to as a business to maximize your most expensive asset amazing thank you and tune in next time <laughs>